This is Episode 3 of Beyond the Bulletin. Hello and welcome to Episode 3 of Beyond the Bulletin. I'm Brandon Sweet, Editor of the Daily Bulletin. And I'm Pamela Smythe, Media Relations Manager. We're coming to you not quite live from East Campus 5. Thank you for joining us as we go Beyond the Bulletin. Like we do every week, we'll talk about some of the top stories featured in the Daily Bulletin and look ahead to what's happening inside and outside the Ring Road. And we'll take the opportunity to speak with people and personalities on campus about key issues that matter to members of the university community. In this episode, I chat with Kristen Brown, Senior Development Officer from the Office of Advancement, about the Keystone Campaign. But first, here's what happened. Pamela, did you know that the University of Waterloo recognizes the outstanding performance of its faculty with an award? I did not, but I'm glad to hear it. What's this prestigious award called? Why, the Outstanding Performance Award, of course. That makes sense. These awards, which reward faculty members for outstanding contribution in both teaching and scholarship, were established as part of the 2003 Faculty Salary Settlement and have been given out to our best and brightest every year since 2005. The OPA provides permanent salary increases for the selected individuals based on performance ratings for the previous year. Faculty members can receive this award multiple times, but once they win, they have to wait another two years before they're eligible again. This year, 104 faculty members from all six faculties were recognized. You can find the list in the June 6th issue of the Daily Bulletin. Congratulations on your Outstanding Performance Award winners. What's OPA? Oh, Outstanding Performance Award is yeah. called the OPA. Okay. Well, I call it the OPA. I don't know if that's a thing. That's also a, uh, a reference to the TV show The Expanse. The Expanse? What's that? Oh, Pamela, don't... I could do a whole podcast on The Expanse. <laughs> it's a uh It's a TV series. It's space opera. Not quite... Uh, what does that mean? Space opera is a genre of... Uh, sort of like a subgenre of science fiction. And it takes place uh, in a future uh, time frame where humankind has colonized the solar system. Uh, Earth, obviously. Mars uh, and the outer... Uh, uh, outer planets, moons of uh, Jupiter, and the asteroid belt. It does not sound like my cup of tea, but... Well, it's your loss. Moving on. Well, it's not quite a freeze, but those employed in Ontario's public sector and broader public sector felt a chill last week when the provincial government tabled legislation to cap annual salary increases. Now, this is a tricky issue to tackle, but not an unfamiliar one. After all, when the Daily Bulletin launched in 1993, the very first news item had to do with the social contract in the heady days of the Ontario government's deficit-cutting strategy. And the second news item had to do with a provostial announcement about limiting hiring to essential positions. So what's old is new again. Governments of all stripes eventually turned to public sector salaries when looking to contain costs. You may recall salary scale freezes and mission-critical hiring going into effect at this university in 2010. That was a two-year freeze. So this time around, the legislation was tabled the day before the Ontario legislature went on summer break, so the pause button's been pressed on this until the fall. But in the meantime, Vice President Academic and Provost Jim Rush circulated some details. This legislation does apply to employees at the University of Waterloo, since we're all members of the broader public sector. The main impact is to limit increases in public sector salary compensation for a three-year period. The proposed legislation would allow for increases to salary and overall compensation for unionized and non-unionized employees of up to 1% annually. More details about this proposed legislation can be found in the June 11th issue of the Daily Bulletin. And university administrators are going to continue to review and monitor developments relating to this legislation, especially when the legislature reconvenes in the fall. So expect further clarifications and communications to come on this developing story. 
This spring, there's more than pollen in the air. There's music. Your walk through campus might have a soundtrack now that the public pianos, and boy, do I have to be careful pronouncing that, are back. <laughs> That's right. Upright pianos have returned to the university's grounds. The project, known as Open Pianos in University Spaces, or OPUS, Oh, that's clever. That is. Was first introduced last year by science PhD candidate Max Salman. One year later, the program has grown in size, adding two more pianos, three new locations, and a new partnership with the music program at Conrad Grable University College. So, Pamela, did you ever take piano lessons? I did not take piano lessons. I took violin lessons and then, as, and when I was a child, and then as an adult, I took mandolin lessons. Well, that's right. I remember that. Yes, you remember me carrying my mandolin to the office every Wednesday. I remember, yes. I do not have an aptitude for music. I appreciate music. Can't play it. Well, I admire the dedication. I've known quite a few people who uh, have attempted to transcend uh, a, their uh, unnatural abilities. It can be a bit humbling, actually. <laughs> a bit spirit-crushing. Isn't that the truth? Mm. I, uh, I took piano lessons from when I was about uh, eight years old to right through to the end of high school, uh, where I was basically dragged kicking and screaming into my uh, grade nine conservatory exam, which I passed. Wow, congrats. Yeah, uh, I shouldn't have passed. I don't know. The, <laughs> the examiner was probably having a uh, either the best or worst day of their life uh, because they just waved me on through after I was done tickling the ivories. You're so. better than you think. Maybe, maybe. I'm just trying to downplay it. <laughs> um, and of course, uh, right after that, I got into uh, synthesizers, samplers, and drum machines, uh, much to the chagrin of my music teachers who had been uh, pushing piano and trombone uh, on me uh, for many a year. Piano locations include the Architectural Engineering Makerspace in CPH, indoors, Campus South Commons, outdoors, Underneath the bridge between Math and DC, that's outdoors. I passed by there today when someone was playing. It was quite nice. Very nice. And the engineering quad near CPH, which is outdoors. So do enjoy these public pianos over the summer and into the fall. Uh, sadly, pianos aren't the most weather-resistant objects ever made, uh, although there were, uh, last year anyways, there were tarps uh, that were used to cover them up in the rain. Uh, but the, the neat thing is that as time progresses, uh, they'll go from, uh, you know, concert hall grade tuned pianos uh, to old-timey saloon honky-tonk pianos uh, to eventually uh, John Cage prepared piano by the time the initiative uh, comes to an end in the fall. And now a look ahead into the coming weeks. Members of the campus community are invited to the formal launch of the University of Waterloo Wellness Collaborative. It takes place Tuesday, June 25th from 9 to 11.30 a.m. in Federation Hall. The Wellness Collaborative is a cross-campus partnership to move the Okanagan Charter and the Healthy Workplace Statement into action. At the event, you'll hear from a representative from the University of British Columbia about exciting initiatives that came out of that institution's adoption of the Okanagan Charter. And what is the Okanagan Charter? It is a framework that calls upon post-secondary institutions to embed health into all aspects of campus culture. The Okanagan Charter commits the university to use a health and wellness lens in its planning and to inform its policies and procedures. In addition, it will develop a university-wide health promotion and wellness collaborative. So in the coming weeks, we will have somebody from the University of Waterloo community appearing on the podcast to talk more about the Wellness Collaborative to give people a bit more background. So attendees at this event will have the opportunity to learn about tangible ways they can impact wellness in their roles and in their departments. They'll also be able to connect with other partners around campus who are interested in campus wellness. You can visit the Campus Wellness website to learn more about the Wellness Collaborative and find the TicketFi page to register your attendance. The Keystone Picnic took place on the Waterloo campus earlier this month. It celebrates the efforts of the staff, faculty, and retirees who donate annually to the Keystone Campaign, which supports student programs and services. 
Kristen Brown oversees all things Keystone and chatted with Pamela about the great things the program does for Waterloo students. Welcome, Kristen. How'd the picnic go? It was great. So the picnic isn't just for donors though, right? So the picnic is for everybody. All faculty, staff and retirees are invited out to the picnic, uh, but we do use it as an opportunity to celebrate the successes of the Keystone donors. They raised over a million dollars last year, which is quite fantastic. Wow. So this is a thank you event. Uh, how many people support the Keystone campaign on an annual basis, would you say? Last year we had about 1,040, 45 people who donated, uh, and that's been pretty consistent for the last couple of years. What about volunteers? What would they be doing? So our volunteers do everything from day of to we have a number of committee volunteers who help plan the picnic. We also currently have a communications committee and also a Keystone co-chair committee. So we have one faculty representative, one staff representative, and one retiree representative on that committee. Why does Keystone exist? The Keystone program exists to give those closest to Waterloo the opportunity to support funds that mean the most to them. It's about building our future it's about building a culture of philanthropy here on campus. Uh, philanthropy has a very powerful impact on this com campus community, not only because it provides the resources we need to flourish, but it also signals confidence to those outside of our campus community in our abilities, both present and future. Uh, in creating a volunteer program, we give people the opportunity to give back with their time, and uh, that's a very valuable thing for us. And what kind of impact is it having? So the great thing about the Keystone program itself is that donors have the ability to donate to any fund that they're passionate about. So it can be anything from scholarships to supporting um, capital, the library, athletics, um, the faculty that they work for. And so that's really nice that there isn't a directed fund for those individuals. Uh, but the campus community does really tend to come together and rally around bigger initiatives. So most recently they uh, came together for, with uh, building the health services building. And that has now uh, transitioned into a really full student wellness program that uh, we are raising money for as well. Is that something that you gave people the opportunity to to donate to that or did they come forward and say we want to give to this so we have both things happen oh. um we do that in particular we did kind of rally around and ask people to help support uh but there are uh, a number of people on campus who will come together and they'll find an initiative that they really are passionate about or um we also have a number of individuals who have put together scholarships as well what kind of um changes were there that maybe wouldn't have existed before it was there a way of knowing that so going back to when that initiative started, they helped fund the actual building of um, the health and wellness building. Mm. Um, so that's obviously a big piece. Uh, but then there's a lot of programming that has happened around student wellness, um, a lot of training for staff that has happened around student wellness that happened because of funding that was raised by obviously our faculty, staff, and retirees, but outside the community as well. Hmm. So would you say that that is the... the biggest issue for them right now in terms of what they want to what they want to fund the fund currently that has the most number of donors is our waterloo fund the waterloo fund Tell, what right. are the priorities there and where do they come from so that's uh set by the university so the university looks at the current fiscal year and determines uh what 
things need to happen in that year and where we need some extra funding and they'll reach they'll use that university fund for that. So the Keystone Campaign is a fundraising initiative where the donors are all people who work here or are retired. So what would you say to people who feel that they give enough in their workday? Uh, I'm fairly new to the university, so I think everybody who does work here is actually quite inspiring. I've met a number of people, and the work that everybody's doing on a daily basis is really unique to that individual. But there's an opportunity and uh, an incentive for individuals to give back um, in a way that reaches beyond the work that they do on a daily basis. Uh, whether it be that student who is suffering from mental health issues and is able to now benefit from our student wellness programs, or a student who may not have had the opportunity to study the way that they're studying and they are now because of a scholarship or buildings that we've built on campuses or programs that the faculties are running. Um, Those things are all possible because of our donors um, and that reaches beyond what we do on a nine to five or your daily basis. What are donors saying that they get out of it? I think it's a a feeling of impact um, that you've done something that's, you know, greater than greater than yourself. You've helped somebody or multiple people accomplish great things. And when if people want to give, how do they do that? The easiest way to give is to go online w or uwaterloo.ca backslash support backslash keystone and you can do that through payroll or pension deduction. You can also online give a one-time gift. Uh, There's also the opportunity uh, a couple times a year we send out a mailing to staff, faculty, and retirees asking them to support. And in there, there's a paper form that can be filled out as well as a return envelope that gets sent back to the Office of Advancement. What else do people need to know about Keystone? Uh, If anybody has any questions about Keystone, they're welcome to reach out. I'd be happy to talk to them about uh, the different opportunities for giving. And uh, the only other thing is really to say thank you to our current donors. Great. Well, thank you, Kristen. Thank Thank you. And welcome to Waterloo. Thank you. And that about wraps it up for us this week. We'd like to give a shout out to the many listeners who checked out our podcast when it officially launched on Friday, June 14th. Woo! We appreciate your feedback. Keep those cards and letters coming. To ensure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to Beyond the Bulletin podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening as we went Beyond the Bulletin. Now that I know that you play the piano, which I did not know after all of these years of working together, now that I know that you play, how about we head over to uh, Math and Computer? Oh, look at the time.